0: and the blessings and mercies of each new day. Lord, as we come to you this morning, and we hear from Carol as well, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would turn our ears and our attention, our thoughts and our mind towards you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray again for some specific things in a moment. I was feeling this morning as though... um, Similar to what Sam was saying and we barely saw each other so we didn't even check notes but um, <laughs> the whole idea of the newness of each year and the, the tension that can sometimes come with feeling sometimes the pressure of doing things better or doing things differently, sometimes adding more to the plate, sometimes peeling away a few layers and stripping things back as well but often there are new things. Uh, I was in the car and I said to Skylar, can you quickly look for this on the internet? while we're driving, (laughs) not me, can you quickly find this verse? Because I just felt like the Spirit was staring in me about um, a couple of things. When I was a little girl, my mum used to regularly share something that I had no idea where it came from, but it's by M.L. Harkins, and it's always been a bit of a cornerstone for me, particularly as I've started each new phase of life or each new year. So I invite you to listen to this. It's part of a poem. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That it shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. And that there's so much faith in that. Doesn't that take a big step of faith? Put our hand into the hand of God. And yet isn't that what the Bible is so full of? where Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes to me. Faith is believing in what is unseen. And that's because God is over and above everything that we can see. And that when we invite him to be part of our planning, to be part of those stripping back layers or part of those adding new things in, he is so faithful and he asks us to listen to his sweet voice and trust that he will guide us in the right things to put our energy, to put our time, to put our resources. So I encourage you in that and I wanted to pray specifically for new areas for each of us that we may be going into, um, for families and situations that change each year as well and then also just to pray for our church. So will you join me in that? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we step into a new year, by faith we put our hand into your hand We take a step into the unknown, trusting you to guide us. Asking that you will be part of our decision-making processes, that you will be the Lord of our lives. Lord, help us to hold nothing back. Help us not to have a tight grip on any part of our lives, but to truly surrender, to let go, to allow you to be real and active and dynamic in our own lives so that this year may truly be a new year, a year of growth, a year of change, but where we know that you hold us so close and that you're the one leading and directing us. Lord, for people who are starting jobs in different roles, going back to work for the first time, moving into new areas of leadership, starting new classes with children that they don't know well yet. Father, I pray that in our workplaces, we would be your hands and feet. Each day, Lord, give us opportunities to share about you, to share our story, our journey. And maybe be quick to offer to pray for people, to speak into people's lives words of encouragement and truth. Lord, set our feet on firm ground so that in our workplaces we can shine your light. Lord, I pray for all of the kids who are going into new year levels and starting high school for the first time. I pray that your confidence and your peace would go before them, that you would open up new friendships That you would make them powerhouses throughout high schools. That you would give them such a faith to trust you, to not be ashamed of the gospel and to be a place of safety and security for their friends. For children who are starting school for the first time, Lord, please go before them. Give them confidence as they learn new things and take risks for little ones starting childcare and kindy. We pray, Lord, that you would keep them safe and that they would know that you are always with them, that you're their closest friend. And we pray for our church, Lord, as we step into a new year, take us deeper, lead us on and help us to trust you. And for those of us who feel like it's same old, same old this year, give us eyes, spiritual eyes, to see the new thing that you are always doing. You don't call us to be stagnant in our faith. You want us to be on that journey of sanctification, becoming more and more like you. Lord, change our heart attitudes. Help us to be outward-looking, to be men and women of great faith. I'm going to read from Isaiah. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you, the coyotes and the buzzards, because I provided water in the desert, rivers through the sun-baked earth, drinking water for the people I chose. The people I made especially for myself, a people custom made to praise me. And let that be our prayer this year, that we would know that God's designed us and created us for his purposes and to praise him. Amen.
1: Uh, it is my privilege and joy to introduce our speaker today, our very own Carol Sullivan. Um now, I don't know if I'm going to be taking part of your intro here to kind of talk about how this all came about. Probably am. That's okay. Um, but, uh, Anthony and Christy Moore invited us to a prayer breakfast last year. Uh, and, uh, the speaker, um, kind of did something in our hearts and did something in Carol's heart even more so, uh, which caused her to actually seek it out even more and seek the Lord's leading in uh in her passion for uh particular um outreach and how we as a church might uh make a difference in the world that we live in. And the reason I sort of get up at the at the start of this rather than Carol is to sort of just say I really feel like this really fits in with the vision that we talked about last year uh with how we as a church uh should come together on a Sunday and be built up and edified in order that we can then make an influence and a difference in our spheres of influence. Uh, it's not just a, a church on Sunday making a difference, but it's us as disciples, as Christ followers, who actually go into the workplace, into the marketplace, uh, into schools, uh, into sometimes very unchristian circumstances, and actually shine our light and make a difference uh, in those places that we uh, go out of here. And so um, that was our heart's desire last year as we sort of put the the vision forward. And and certainly as we continue that theme running in 2020, that's going to be uh, the thing that we're going to be pushing. Um, But this this message and this, uh, I guess, kind of mode of uh, living the Christian life uh, really fits in with that. So I'd really like to introduce Carol, and she's going to come up and share with us this morning. Thanks, Carol.
2: Good morning, everyone. Just before we start, can we just pray for a moment? Loving Father, we've sung some beautiful songs to you this morning. Let the words not just be left in the atmosphere, but may they be a prayer direct from our heart to your heart. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our eyes to the things unseen, that you will fill us with your heart and lead us in your love to those around us. Have your way here this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let your truth break through in our hearts and minds. Surprise us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, the only thing I would add to what Sam said was that right from the moment that Christy uh, invited me to go, I just had the strongest sense that that God had arranged it, but I really didn't know the reason. Uh, but it was Ed Silvoso was the speaker, and he's the man who's founded Transform Our World Ministries. And as he began to speak, I was absolutely gripped by what he had to say. And uh, it was all about how we can transform our homes, neighbourhoods, and cities, and ultimately our nation by changing the spiritual atmosphere in our spirit, in our sphere of influence, that place where we live, work, and play. And I realise that there are folk here today who already do the things that I'm talking about and I'm so thankful for you and I bless you in all the things that you do. But I've felt a failure at witnessing and sharing Jesus for most of my life and I came to dread it. But whenever an opportunity presented itself, I would still have a go and would always hear the words, hmm, that went well. Why do you even bother? But my ears pricked up at the breakfast when Ed said that he used to be the same. So then he had my full attention. And the basis for his teaching uh, that I'm going to share today is an illustration from Luke chapter 9 of the 12 disciples' mission when Jesus sent them out with authority to drive out all our demons and to cure diseases, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. On their return, they gave Jesus a report of what they had done. However, some time later, a man in the crowd begged Jesus to cast out a demon of his only son. He begged the disciples to do it, but they had been unable to, even though Jesus had given them authority over all demons. They couldn't do it because they'd been working in a spiritual hostile spiritual environment. And a few negative things that had happened to them along the way. Uh, John the Baptist had sent a messenger to Jesus to ask if he was the Messiah, the one that was to be expected, or was there someone else coming? The disciples had wanted to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans when they rejected Jesus. Then they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And there's a few other things in that list in that chapter. But it was their inability to deliver the boy that really upset Jesus because he had given the 12 authority over all demons, and yet they had been powerless to deal with it. His response when the father told him that the disciples had failed was, oh, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? And they're pretty strong words coming from Jesus. In chapter 10, we read that he then sent out the 72, and he gave them specific instructions on what to do. Firstly, he told them, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house, and that is to bless them first. Secondly, eat and drink whatever they give you, that is to fellowship with them. Next, heal the sick who are there. This is to pray for their felt needs. Then, when their prayers are being answered, Proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near to you. This was before Pentecost, and by praying the blessing of peace over the house, they were actually inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with them, and the demons aren't very comfortable in that environment. So these disciples had the upper hand, unlike the twelve who were defeated by the demons. The 72 came back rejoicing, saying, Even the demons submitted to us in your name. And soon after that, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. The spiritual atmosphere had changed because of the prayer and presence of the Holy Spirit. Although there are several areas that need transformation, these principles apply to them all. The needs and scenarios might change, but these four steps to bless, fellowship, minister and proclaim, don't. Why? Because they are not just a good idea that someone came up with, they are the instructions of Jesus and they work because the Holy Spirit is involved. I think we can all see around us the need for spiritual transformation in our families and in our own areas where we work. But the three main areas that were highlighted for transformation at the conference were business, education and government, as Sam just referred to. And I think we would all agree that major changes are needed in these areas if righteousness and justice are going to be demonstrated. But what I'm sharing with you today is not an instant fix, but a means by which the love and grace of Jesus can bring about transformation in all these areas. There is a tendency to think of the church as the place with four walls where we gather once a week here at Blackwood and other churches all around the nation. But Jesus referred to the church in this way only twice in the New Testament. All the other times the Greek word ecclesia is used but with a difference. Not ecclesia as we may know it with two Cs but ecclesia with two Ks and that's the Greek word and it's actually pronounced ekklesia. And it's important that this distinction between the church and the redemptive agency of Jesus is clear. The Greek translation of the word used, as I said, is pronounced ekklesia. Ecclesia in Latin means a gathering or assembly, a congregation, but ekklesia means those who are called out. The church, as we refer to it, speaks of a place where people gather and it influences their identity. The ekklesia speaks of a people who gather in a place to influence out of its identity, and that can be any place in our sphere of influence. I hope you can bear with me in this pronunciation because you will hear it in a video clip later and it's very much of the Transform Our World ministry And we know that we are not limited to being a building with four walls, but I think the knowledge of how to be the ecclesia and live it out uh, has been a bit lost and confused over the years. A British group at the conference that were ministering with a group of people in their own area said it took three years for the people they were reaching to realise that the kingdom of God doesn't look anything like the church. And in a church struggling to overcome the effects of child abuse and gender issues, that's probably a good thing. The ecclesia changes the way people see Jesus and they come to know there is a God who loves them and cares for them. As we share that knowledge and experience in our spheres of influence, our families, communities, governments, workplaces, clubs, hobby shops and in our families... Uh, they are transformed. Then there will be a branch of the Ecclesia, the New Testament church, in every one of these places every day because we carry the presence of Jesus with us and the Lord will add to the numbers. The first step of praying peace is important because for a long time we've been at war with the lost. The church has had a tendency to dislike sinners and this soon becomes obvious to them and I am certainly including myself in this attitude, they had to change before they were acceptable to us quite often. But if Jesus is the friend of sinners, we cannot be their enemies. So we need to understand that the first person to be transformed is us. I had to confess my inability to love unconditionally and ask for the Lord to deal with that before I could begin to pray for my neighbours. And I'm still praying for that daily and a few other things that are also needed like extra patience and kindness. Ed went on to point out that in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go, to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. But the church as we know it today has spent a lot of time going, less. sorry, has spent less time going to where the lost are but a lot of time asking people to come to where the church is. Come to Alpha. Come to Bible study. Come to our Christmas service. Come and hear this excellent speaker. And all of those things are well intended. And we all go to church on a Sunday. Having tried to do those things, many of us are tired and stressed and really struggle just to get here. We join in the worship and we experience the Lord's presence we hear an encouraging message. We might be prayed for. And then we share a half an hour of fellowship and then we leave. We've been encouraged to go out into the world and be the church and our tank has been refilled. But something happens out there in the coming week because what we get here on the Sunday leaks out during the week. And we come back the next Sunday in the same condition. We need to understand that out there is also our church and it's where we worship. In fact, it really is more of our church than it is in here. That is where the ecclesia functions. That's what Jesus wanted from us. He wants us to be out there in the six days when we leave this building before we come back again, seeking the lost and helping them to come to know him. That's where we are the salt and leaven in the world. And when we have that perspective, life takes on a new meaning and purpose. It's life-giving. It's not draining. And we will come back to our weekly gathering energised and wanting to share what God has been doing out there where we live, work and play. The more Ed Silvoso spoke about this way of reaching people, the more I kept saying to myself, I can do this. This is so doable. And I felt really excited about it, enough to go to two more conferences and one of them was in the U.S., I don't know if you've had the same sort of church background as I had growing up, uh, but I remember very clearly uh, we were taught that people had to repent and accept Jesus and then they would experience his blessing. People used to stand on street corners quite often and hand out tracts of scripture verses and little cards with the four steps to salvation on them uh, to help people to be saved. But Jesus never did anything like that and Paul reminds us in Romans 2 verse 4 that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance, not judgement. Jesus met their needs, told stories and invited himself to dinner. So how do we start? It's through prayer. And in the book of Acts, prayer is what connected the church to the power of God and brought incredible growth and freedom. Nothing in the book of Acts happened without prayer, and it's prayer that powerfully undergirds this ministry of global transformation, and I'll be able to show you some evidence of that later. It's called prayer evangelism, and that's talking to God about the people in our sphere of influence before we ever talk to them about God. You begin by praying for them regularly, for the peace and blessing of Jesus to be with them. And any needs that the Lord might bring to mind. This prayer of peace opens the way for the time when you will actually make contact with them. God will open up opportunities for you to do that and he has already gone before you. It was suggested at the conference that we pray for five neighbours on our left, five on our right and five across the road. And some family members. So I started doing that and I did it for a few weeks and praying that peace and blessing over all of them. And then, within the space of about 10 10 days, I had six separate encounters with family, friends and neighbours. And they were very interesting things in conversation that were only small, but I knew that they were significant and I knew that they were from the Lord to encourage me to keep on persevering in this new way of thinking and relating to people. People will tell you things that you never knew about them, some deep things that have really hurt them, and this was my experience. As your relationship with you develops, you will get an opportunity to meet other needs and to pray with them about those things. The method that Jesus outlined to bless, fellowship, to pray and proclaim the kingdom of God helps us to begin by caring for them. It builds a relationship of trust, We also speak peace to neutralise the power of the demons which defeated the 12 disciples. Second Corinthians tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. No wonder we can find it hard to witness. Then Acts 26.17 tells us, and this is Jesus speaking, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. And this is because we now have the power and peace of the Holy Spirit within us. When we speak blessings over those in our circle of influence, sooner or later, people who used to avoid us will begin to seek us out. Opening the door to fellowship. This is because they can actually feel the blessings that we've spoken over them and they like it. Their eyes are being opened to the truth of what God is really like, and we are being changed to be even more compassionate and loving. Sinners loved to hang around Jesus because there was just something about him that drew them to him, and our neighbours should feel the same way about us as we're his representatives. Fellowship provides an opportunity to show unconditional acceptance by welcoming our neighbours and the way they are, sorry, welcoming them the way they are instead of the way we would like them to be and by meeting them in their world. Obviously, the most important need they have is salvation, but they don't know that yet. But God is creating an avenue to show them that Jesus is indeed a friend of sinners. And he came to save them and not condemn them. Once these steps are established, we will get an opportunity to lead them to look to the Lord and to disciple them. And Kathy has come across a great tool to be able to use with that, and it's called One to One. And it's... Uh, uh, what's... To get up and yeah, that would be great. <laughs> It is Yeah, it's it's on. Um,
3: I've only just come across this resource. It's from um, a It's yeah. from a um, a ministry to businessmen in Sydney. That's where it came from, and it's called Word One to One. Um, if you want to look it up it, online, if you just search the words Word One to One or 121, one, I think, is the actual thing. Have a look. But, um, the, the idea is that you just go, you ask someone, would they like to have a look at the Bible with you? It's, I think the guy who set it up said, you know, it's been the best seller in the world for, since it was first published. So it must say something important. So would you like to read it with me? And they've got a resource where you can just read through the, the Gospel of John. It's got the text, it's got questions, it's got answers, so you don't have to prepare. You just sit down over coffee and read the first chapter with them and then at the end of that say, what did you think? Would you like to do it again? Um, Yes, I heard this guy talk about it and I was really inspired, so I'm definitely going to look into it.
2: And the thing that they said in response to would you like to do it again, just about every one of them wanted to make another time, to ask more questions and find out more about what the Bible says. There will come a time when they will want to know about this God who loves them and they will feel safe in approaching us because there's been a gradual improvement in the spiritual climate of our relationship as we've moved through the four stages of blessing, fellowship, ministry and proclaiming. And it will happen in a very natural way and not an awkward, forced way. When we intercede for our neighbours, the kingdom of God comes near to them. And we know what the kingdom of God is. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And they will want more of it. And I have a neighbour who, um, told, who told me that she always feels better after she has a talk to me about her troubles. And I told her that that's Jesus loving her. They can really feel the difference. Jesus highlighted the importance of this as opposed to repentance. In Luke sixteen sixteen, he said that the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist. And since that time, the good news of the kingdom has been preached and everyone, underlined everyone, is forcing his way into it. And we don't see many people trying to force their way into the kingdom of God today. So what are we missing? If Jesus said everyone was forcing their way into it, we have to question it and we've realised that people will press into the kingdom of God but not the Sunday church so much. Everything that happened to grow the church after Pentecost took place in the homes and the marketplace. It was people doing life together every day, sharing their faith around the table, over meals, praying for one another, helping and caring for one another, while being taught and equipped by the disciples. When their loved ones were sick, they took them out into the street and laid them down there for Paul or Peter or whoever was coming to pass by to heal them. They didn't take them to the synagogue. And that's the way the ecclesia functioned and it exploded in its growth. In a matter of just a few weeks after the resurrection of Jesus, all of Jerusalem had heard the good news which was incredible given the hostile environment that they would have been working in after the death of Jesus. There are no instructions in the Gospel about how to plant a church or how to build and maintain a church because the people were too busy being the church, being the ecclesia. Eventually, we read in Acts that after just a few years, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia had heard the word of the Lord, and that is a huge area. So the Ecclesia had been very busy and their work was very effective through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We are all called to go, and maybe not to a foreign land, but we can go to the end of our street or down the corridor to pray with a neighbour in need and share the love of Jesus with them. And then they will take it further still as they pray for people in their own sphere of influence. It might not be as big as the province of Asia where we are, although it could be, but we definitely need to be out there looking for the lost and caring for them. Because if we don't, then we're just in danger of becoming a club. Because that's what Jesus has called us to do. Our Sunday service here will always be important but it would be less of a focus because our focus will be out there. It's my prayer that this time next year there will be brand new Christians here with us, not just people that have transferred from another congregation, although we will always welcome and love them, but that there will be people who have just met Jesus for the first time. The week before David Bland announced that he was leaving, we had our first monthly prayer night. And we began praying and seeking God for our further direction. And we wanted something fresh from God, something new. And a few people had prophetic words and pictures at that first meeting and Ronnie was one of them. When God shows us a picture, the full meaning doesn't usually become clear until later. And Ronnie had such a picture and it was of all of our congregations standing in a circle. And there were people of different nationalities and generations and we were all holding hands. And there were people coming up and separating our hands and joining in the circle. And I believe that we are starting to see the outworking of that vision now. Many have felt for some time that we need an outward view to be reaching out to the people around us. And Ronnie's word was that we don't have to try and work it out ourselves. The path is really clear for us. God is saying it's right in front of you. Just stick to it. And I just wonder if that path could be what Jesus outlined in Luke 10, to bless, fellowship, pray and proclaim. Another word shared on the night was that we have to be prepared to let others in and to change some of our ways in order to accept them and welcome them. And I believe that this ministry I have outlined today gives us the means to do that in an effective way. And without God, we can't, and without us, he won't. So we were shown some amazing things at the conference that God's been doing right around the world, and I've got just a couple of them to show you today. And the first one is a a little video clip of uh, a man called, um, I've lost his name, Steve Orsillo. And he's uh, had a journey to a place called Oroville in the new, in, uh, United States.
3: The city of Oroville, California faced an impending disaster when the spillways of its iconic dam collapsed, striking fear into the city and tens of thousands of lives downstream and becoming part of a long history of calamity since those despairing days of the California Gold Rush. Rooting out that despair became the point of inception for Steve and Vicki Orsillo. Today, the Father's house is an ecclesia rising in Oroville, eradicating systemic poverty and changing the
4: entire city. Twenty years ago when we came here, this neighborhood was just... It was known for the garbage in the main streets and the abandoned cars and just the dysfunction, prostitutes in the streets. And it was a place that you didn't really want to bring your family And so you drove around it. They had this crazy plan. They were going to take the worst part of my district and make it into something special. I began to buy dilapidated houses and remodel them and make them born again and tell people, this is what God wants to do for you, is make you look brand new the way this house looks brand new. And then after a certain amount of time, they began to hear, want to hear, why do you do what you do? And so that we could tell them why is we love Jesus and we want our love to look like something and we want you to know he loves you.
5: So we at the Father's House, Steve and I, we want to be mom and dad to them. We want to provide physically, spiritually, and mentally for them.
4: Everywhere we go is what When we hold a church service in our building, that's almost a a minor part of what we do as a congregation and we get the inspiration we get the call we get the instructions the marching orders and then we also we say okay it's time to go we all go out to be the ecclesia outside the four walls in our community
5: So when Ecclesia moves into a marketplace, when it moves into a community, everyone is blessed. The government's blessed, the businesses are blessed, the people are blessed, and even those Christians that are blessing are blessed. Behind me, you'll see people putting together food bags for our weekly outreach called Adopt-A-Block. And this small food bank feeds 25,000 meals to families in our community yearly.
4: Back in the next week. Yeah, if you guys need like long work done. uh, Okay carpentry stuff okay Uh, how much
5: did you guys charge
4: for the one we're we're doing free stuff
5: oh wow there's a whole class of people that are just castaways and what god is showing us is it's the next great harvest and it's the drug addicts it's the throwaways and um to us they're not throwaways uh they're some of those most loving amazing people and to those that are forgiven much they love much and so what we're finding are these diamonds in the rough um and we just love them back to life. I know, that's
4: good. Yeah, can I give you a hug? Uh, not too hard. I, not too no hard. Bad I, I'll be gentle. <laughs> All right, man. All righty.
5: You don't have to be a vagrant. You don't have to be any of those things that, you know, people tend to call us. It doesn't take much to get you out of your home. We've started non-profit businesses, so the goal of the business is not to gain profit, it's actually to help the community economically, um, help individuals in the community, and help community service programs around our city and around the world. Yeovil Yogurt is, uh, is one of the ways that the Father's House links with our businesses. Um, we're able to minister. We're able to offer job training. We're able to use the funds to help other agencies that are trying to do the same thing.
4: I met Jesus at the Father's House Church, and he uh, transformed my life. I don't need alcohol and drugs anymore. And now I got the best job in the world because I get to come and serve people.
0: So when we first started Restored, it was um, just a really small thrift store, and um, we've, uh, we've always had the, the philosophy of what can we do with what God has given us. It has blossomed to over 100 women just come through our store and come through the training program, be reinstated into the community as a as a positive picture of the community where they have robbed from it, now they're contributing to it. <coughs>
5: We really try to communicate with our members of the Lord's Gym that their membership doesn't just go to providing a service for them, but their membership actually goes to community transformation. Just using the business model to help spread the wealth to the people that need it the most.
4: We move to Orville for the annual Lord's Gym Mud Run where several divisions of competition...
5: That in itself brings so much industry to our community, and it's all positive.
2: Steve and... uh and Vicki are right on the right track, and it's, it's definitely a God thing. It spread to our, uh, our legislators. It spread to our city council. In the Father's House,
5: what they provide for my community is embracing each and every person with God's calling to love, I don't know what we would do without them. Churches are coming together, and I'm so excited for what God is doing in the marketplace, on the streets, and in the churches. It's it's transformation at its greatest.
4: No one is growing tired. No one is growing weary because the, the power of God is our strength.
2: Amen for over 20 years now and at the end of that presentation, Ed Silvoso just asked him, just tell the people what happened to you before you left for Oroville and he just very simply said, our house burnt down and so he took the money and used it to provide houses for other people. Now we move to Thailand and uh, the first picture up is of an opening of a coffee shop. And in this picture, the man on the – I had to write this down so I'd remember it um, – the man next to the lady holding the flowers on her right, on her left, is uh, Brian Burton, her husband and he's pastor of this church in Thailand. And um, they've been in Thailand doing the same sort of thing for over 20 years. And it really took off after the tsunami when they found a way of meeting the needs of the people in very practical ways. One of the things Brian was led to do was to start this cafe which is called a Kingdom Cafe and there's nothing in it whatsoever to indicate that it's a Christian outreach. It's just a coffee shop with an anointing of prayer over it and the volunteers pray over every aspect of the work from when the coffee is delivered to the store to when the cafe closes at night and everything in between. A beautiful atmosphere of peace exists and people are blessed and cared for as they come in. And there have been many stories shared and many people that have been prayed for and helped. And this photograph was taken at the opening, the official opening, and it's of all the volunteers and guests. And Brian invited the chief of police to do the opening, and he's the tall man in uniform on the other side of Brian's wife. And in his ministry, Brian has been particularly working to combat um, and eradicate corruption through prayer evangelism. And he said he invited the chief of police to the opening because the police force is the most corrupt group in Thailand. Nearly all the people in Thailand are either Buddhists or Muslims. But after the ceremony, he asked Brian, as they had a cup of coffee, he said, tell me about God. He said, you know Jesus. Can you tell me about him? After he picked up his bottom jaw, Brian gladly did tell him about Jesus and share the Lord with him. And then the policeman said to Brian, Could I have your phone number on my speed dial, he said, because there are often times I have to deal with problems and I don't know what to do. And when that happens, is it all right if I give you a call and you can pray for me? And there's a huge backstory to this, which I hope I can share with you one day, because it's through the mayor, who was also very corrupt and was led to the Lord by the Ecclesia, with a 70-year-old lady that sells ice cream, which is another whole story, But you can be sure that since he's come to Christ and is praying for the people in his sphere of influence, he would have been praying for that chief of police, one of his employees. The next one is the picture of the shop at the end of the day when it's closed. And this is what happens, that they all gather together in prayer again to give thanks to God for what he has done through the day and to pray for the people that will come through tomorrow. And through this beautiful um, cycle of prayer and serving that there's just this fabulous uh, atmosphere that exists that just provides opportunities for encounters like Brian had with the chief of police uh, when it's covered in prayer and praise and uh, God does amazing things. So the last one is from Canada. And uh, in Canada they have some of the same laws as we have here and one of them is that... Uh, There can be no uh, expression of religion in the public schools. So we know that religion can be kept out of the schools, but Jesus doesn't need permission to get into the schools. So he gave a group of people an idea to um, create a superhero called Captain Kindness. And they have a weekly, uh, weekly program that runs for eight weeks and there's a little picture here. They produced a booklet that the children can work through and it has code words and these words to unscramble and uh, then they have to find the hidden message. So it's been very successful and uh, they're learning that the difference that ki- kindness can make to the atmosphere of their school and their homes. And they're encouraged to be able to perform acts of kindness for their families and people in their spheres of influence too, in the schoolyard and their families. And it's been so successful that um, a person from the school was interviewed on the radio and uh, other schools have asked for the program to be made available to them. And many people don't know that kindness is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So when these visits are combined with the prayer of peace over the school... The atmosphere is changing, one school at a time, and people are treating each other with kindness. And this response reminded me of the verse where Jesus said that the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is trying to force their way into it. So that was what the people were doing when they heard it on the radio. So the last word to us at the conference was, you have been given enough faith to take the first step. And I said before, without God we can't. But without us, God won't. So can we just have a moment of prayer before we sing our last song? Father God, we have heard the cry of your heart today that you want your loving kindness to lead people to repentance, that none should perish. Holy Spirit, we pray for your touch this morning and we ask you to move among us, Jesus, inspire us, pour out your love and ignite our faith. And reveal your will to us, we pray, Lord. Amen.